Hello, hello everyone. Welcome. Come on in. Welcome to Tea and Gemstones, your podcast home for all things history, science, and social commentary about anything and everything regarding jewelry, gemstones, and precious metals. I am your host, Jen, here to take you on auditory journeys about the story of silver, the woefully underappreciated precious metal, to debate all the different kinds of jewelry involving teeth, to talk about insects made of diamonds, and to introduce you to the gemstones of the zodiac. And lots more. The topics spread a wide gambit around here, and that's just how we like it. Today, I want to introduce you to a wonderful gemstone that too few people know about and appreciate. Legend depicts this gem as containing the magic of the northern lights within it. It's the mystical and fascinating feldspar, Labradorite. Humans have always been drawn to beautiful things. We like pretty colors, attractive shapes, and if there's a touch of magic, an aura of mysterious unknown about the beautiful object, well, it only serves to increase our interest. A phenomenon that well encapsulates the combo of beauty and a bit of mystery is iridescence, sometimes referred to as genochromism. Iridescence is when certain surfaces appear to morph and shift in color depending on changing angles and lighting. Lots of pretty objects humans love display iridescence, like playfully floating bubbles, shimmering butterfly wings, peacocks, hummingbirds, kingfishers, and many other beloved birds sport iridescent feathers, and several kinds of tropical plants display it as well. Humans like to look at iridescence, so it's no surprise several popular gemstones with iridescent traits are fan favorites. Amylite, the exterior shell of fossils, is known for intense play of color, and fire agate, pearls, and abalone are all coveted, but hands down, it's opals that reign supreme as the most popular iridescent gemstone. But there is another gemstone capturing the magic of shifting colors, galaxies, or forests of light, depending on your perspectives. I feel like this stone is slowly working its way up to greater name recognition, and well, I am here to do my part. Let's talk Labradorite. In terms of the historical timeline of gemstones, Labradorite is not the last to arrive to the party, but it's also not the first through the door. It was first discovered and recorded for our modern-ish times by missionaries who had ventured north, far north, to visit indigenous peoples of what is now Canada, specifically a very small and far north place called Paul's Island off the coast of mainland Labrador. The closest town to Paul's Island is called Nan, a town with about 800 permanent residents. Nan carries the distinction of being the northernmost permanent settlement in Newfoundland and Labrador. Is it Newfoundland or Newfoundland? Let me know how I'm saying it wrong. 
And while the missionaries in the 1700s may have recorded, quote unquote, discovering the iridescent feldspar material in the igneous rock, the indigenous people knew of the gemstone long before outside visitors showed up. The Inuit people have a legend about Labradorite. In the night skies above the cold and remote landscape, the aurora borealis, the northern lights, shimmer and dance. But the Inuit believe the lights did not always live freely in the skies. They used to be trapped, entombed within the rocks, the Labradorite. Until one day, a native warrior was brave enough to try and free the lights, and he stabbed the rocks with a spear. This allowed some of the rainbow dancing lights to escape up into the night sky. But some of the light chose to remain behind in the rocks, to be held and enjoyed by people, always. It's easy to be entranced by Labradorite, and luckily it's not only located in the far, far Canadian north. It is also found in Australia, Finland, Madagascar, Norway, and the United States of America. We got off to a mystical start discussing Labradorite because, well, that's much more fun. And if I started with all the science talk at the beginning, everyone might have tuned out. But we do need to briefly touch on the science details. As fun as it would be if it were true, Labradorite is not actually composed of magical northern lights. It is a calcium-enriched feldspar mineral. Feldspar is a term for a whole group of minerals, and there are a lot of them. Feldspars make up about 60% of the Earth's crust. Feldspars are so abundant because they can grow in all different conditions, within igneous, metamorphic, and sedimentary rocks. There are several dozen types of feldspars with fun, hard-to-say names, but for gemstones, we have amazonite, moonstone, sunstone, and orthoclase keeping company. If you are a fan of the iridescent gemstone gang, then you might be already familiar with moonstones. While moonstones and labradorite share similar gorgeous physical appearances, they are definitely two different gemstones. They're both feldspars, yes, but moonstone is comprised of sodium, potassium, aluminum, silicate, compared to Labradorite's calcium-based body. Moonstone's soft romantic alderescence has made it a favorite stone for ages. The peoples of ancient Rome, India, and what is now present-day France all recorded their adoration of the pearly-sheened stone and considered it to be solidified you may have guessed, moonbeams. Now, moonstones come in several color varieties, the bluish white being the most popular, but there are also shades of green, yellow, brown, gray, and black. But how does this play back into our topic of Labradorite, the star of our show today? Well, there's a popular gemstone called Rainbow Moonstone which is prized for its milky, shimmering appearance, like a rainbow viewed through a misty, foggy morning. When you Google the colors of Moonstone, rainbow is right there in the list alongside the other colors. But it's a gorgeous imposter, or at least operating under a fake identity, because rainbow Moonstone isn't a Moonstone at all. It is actually a version of Labradorite. 
white labradorite to be specific. So why is this gemstone monikered as rainbow moonstone? Well, there's no exact clear point on the historical timeline to gesture towards, but the general consensus seems to be this. During the 1960s and 1970s, demand for romantic, spiritually, and mystically styled jewelry was soaring thanks to the hippie free love movements, and lapidary and jewelry designers sourcing the gemstones sort of collectively leaned into the power of marketing and thought rainbow moonstone would connect with their target audience better than white labradorite. Moonstone and Labradorite do share very similar aesthetics. Who would notice or mind? Well, from my perspective, in the gemstone lore world, if you say something enough times, it becomes accepted truth. And now, some 60-odd years on, white Labradorite is deprived of its true identity. And this beautiful gemstone can't contribute to the Labradorite community. Honestly, very few people know that Rainbow Moonstone is actually Labradorite. Full disclosure, I myself was not informed of this masquerade until one of my followers on Instagram sent me a direct message. I had been talking about Moonstones in an Instagram story series, and she sent me a message and was like, hey, you know Rainbow Moonstone is white Labradorite. And let me tell you, I have really tried to accept that the gemstone world is so incredibly vast. That's part of why I love it. But I do sometimes get too comfortable. And any time that I think that I'm personally quite the smarty pants, someone goes and breaks it to me about something like the existence of white Labradorite and my glass ceiling shatters. And I'm just like, I didn't know that. But now you all know it too. And if each of you tells one person the secret and they each tell another person, then maybe one day white Labradorite can step out from the masking moniker of Rainbow Moonstone and be its own gemstone. Labradorite is a popular stone in the metaphysical world. Let me provide some context for what I mean when I say metaphysical. Metaphysical is a term for ideas and concepts that can't be proven because they concern realities outside human perception. If you are picturing people charging crystals by moonlight, belief in a human soul that exists separate from your physical body, a belief in energies, auras, ghosts, or any kind of high-powered deity, That's all metaphysics. Just about every known gemstone has supposed metaphysical properties. Whether you personally believe in the metaphysical world, there is no denying many people do believe in at least some portion of it. And regardless, it's super interesting to talk about. A gemstone's metaphysical properties are gathered from many sources over time, like traditional myths and legends, folk medicine, and all manner of religions. With Labradorite's magical-esque appearance, it is no surprise it's a prized metaphysical stone. While some gemstones like rubies have pretty straightforward metaphysical assignments, rubies are for power and love pretty much across the board. 
But in my research, I have found that Labradorite's attributes are all over the place, like a jack of all trades. So let's just go through the list of what I found. Some say that Labradorite is one of the most powerful personal protection stones to shield your aura from negativity. The colors and shapes within Labradorite shift and morph depending on the viewing angle, which pairs well with Labradorite also being considered a stone to help facilitate smooth personal transitions. Other metaphysical characteristics attributed to Labradorite is the ability to help enhance your own self-worth, fortify your will, and to provide an overall boost to your throat chakra. Your throat chakra is located at the back of your throat and is associated with self-expression. However you feel about the metaphysical world, I take the approach that a lot of the power of metaphysics comes from if you put value in it. I mean, I feel more self-confident when I'm wearing a beautiful gemstone, less likely to be affected by other people's negativity or unwanted opinions because I look dang good in my jewelry. In many of life's categories, there is better and then there is best, the highest quality version of something. And Labradorite is no exception. Now, sort of standard Labradorite is undoubtedly beautiful, flashing colors of blue, green, touches of purple. But there is a best version of Labradorite that displays not only those standard hues, but also spectacularly includes the rare fiery colors of red, orange, and yellow. This best version of Labradorite that displays a full spectrum of colors gets the special name designation of Spectralite. So far, Spectralite has been found in one place, Finland. Spectralite was actually discovered by a doctor of philosophy named Arni Lakatkari. A Finnish website that my husband kindly ran through Google Translate for me describes Dr. Latakari as a, quote, significant influencer of Finnish 20th century geology and mineralogy research and teaching, whose life's work especially supported the industrial utilization of mineralogy, end quote. Latakari was out exploring with his son, Pekka, who was the one to actually make the physical discovery of the Labradorite full of all the colors. The stone deposit was found in southeastern Finland near its border with Russia in 1940. As you can maybe infer, Europe had a dramatic thing or two going on in 1940, so it wasn't until all the way into 1973 that the first dedicated workshop at the mining site began cutting, polishing, and prepping Spectralite for the jewelry world. But how does Spectralite capture more colors? Well, from the help of extra bonus ingredients in the gemstone's composition. With very fine little bits of limonite, rutile, and magnetite join the feldspar mix, the light hitting the gemstone can diffract into more colors. And people like colors. They will pay for more. Labradorite of the standard variety ranges from about $20 to $40 per carat. 
high-quality Vivid Spectralite can top out at $400 per carat. Labradorite registers at between a 6 and a 6.5 on the Mohs scale of hardness. This makes it a step above stones like opal, sodalite, lapis lazuli, and turquoise, but below all the quartz stones, tourmaline, garnets, topazes, etc. The 6 range on the Mohs scale can be a tricky place to be. It's not soft enough it can't be used in all jewelry, but it's really not tough enough for daily wear in rings or high-impact jewelry like bracelets. But some people have a casual approach to this dilemma. Because of Labradorite's low price point, it doesn't break the bank to replace a broken gemstone. That's not really my preferred approach. I like to keep softer gemstones for necklaces and earrings, but I might be in the minority. I searched Labradorite bracelet on Etsy and I got back 34,018 results. Labradorite ring gave me 71,309 items. I do give credit and appreciate all the classic and well-known beautiful gemstones. Nothing can stop you in your tracks quite like a diamond, a ruby, a glittering amethyst. But taking a glance beyond their traditional sparkle, the iridescence of Labradorite offers up a fresh version of a gemstone to be considered admirable. I saw a quote the other day that resonated with me. It said, beautiful things don't ask for attention. And that's my perspective on Labradorite. It's been around a long time being gorgeous, but it's not asking for attention. Well, here at Tea and Gemstones during this episode, I have enjoyed giving some well-deserved attention to Labradorite. The world of gemstones is vast and varied. I hope you have enjoyed exploring this small piece of it with me. And that's all for this episode of Tea and Gemstones. If you own a piece of Labradorite or the sneaky rainbow moonstone that you're now giving a second look, please let me know. Find the show on Instagram and Facebook at T and Gemstones Podcast and leave me a comment on the grid post for this episode. And speaking of feedback, if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rating or a review, especially if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That direct feedback is super important for the show being discoverable when someone searches for a new podcast. And if a new episode every other Tuesday isn't enough tea and gemstones for you, fear not, you can have more. The podcast has a Patreon page with an entire exclusive library of extra episodes updated every month. Episodes like exploring the rise and popularity of cremation memorial diamonds, a deep dive into Queen Victoria's jewelry box, and a look at the psychology of retail therapy. All that and more is waiting on Patreon for you. The link is in the episode show notes and on social media. Tea and Gemstones is researched, written, recorded, and edited by me, Jen. Our theme song is by Joseph McDade with additional music provided by Audionautics. Thanks for listening, everyone. And until next time, stay sparkly.